Welcome to the Infinite Scale podcast. My name is James Vickery and I am the host of the show and I'm very pleased to have with me today Mr. Daniel Welling. Hello Daniel. Hi James, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, Daniel is the commercial director of the MSP finance team, not to mention the, the director of many other businesses serving the MSP industry. It's really great to have you on the show, Daniel. Uh, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you for those in the audience that don't know who you are. Sure. 25-ish years in, in the IT world. I started, un unusually for most MSP owners, on a commercial and sales track, salesperson by trade. I cut my teeth in the mid-90s selling solutions as a VAR, and uh, that that led me to forming an IT services business um, in the early noughties, which developed over 12 years and trade sale in 2014. And it was after that that I feel like my career in MSP land actually begun. The phrase MSP, I think, was relatively fresh and not really known outside of the, outside of the industry. And, and, and actually, I was very insular, like a lot of MSP owners. I didn't know that there was a community. I didn't engage. And it was quite by accident that I discovered, I think, initially CompTIA and then some, some other UK-based groups and, uh, and found, my, found my way into or, into or back into the market. And really, from doing that, I got reinvigorated uh, with the space and found... Um, Without the the pressures of running a business, it's actually quite a fun industry to to be in, and yeah, just started offering people my opinions and mostly unwanted, but uh, but a few then then offered to pay me for it, and and the rest is history. <laughs> I love that, and it's always amazing when you go through that arc of running your own MSP and then getting the opportunity. You suddenly you come out into the daylight and you realise that all of the other MSPs are having the same or similar challenges to what you had, and it's really awesome. I think to be in such a collaborative industry where we can talk about our experiences, including our negative experiences, and actually um, learn from one another. I, I don't. I'm not really aware of any other industry that's as collaborative as the space that we're in. It puts me back to the, the, the sort of rose-tinted early 70s of the sort of the user groups getting together, hobbyists and building the first PCs out of wood and as you see on the TV. And, and I liken it to that really, but, you, but you're quite right. I'm not aware of another industry that is as open. For, the, for those that have reached that level of awareness, there's still an awful lot of MSPs that, that, that labour alone don't engage, don't talk to their, their peers. And yeah, I, I really feel for them, actually. <laughs> I really feel for them. I agree. So it's been an interesting few years, Daniel. We've, we've caught up throughout the COVID era, if you will, and I'm not sure that we can even say we're beyond the COVID era, but it's fair to say that things have changed a lot. And in the initial stages of COVID, it was panic, it was doom and gloom, and it was MSPs were, were struggling. And then all of a sudden, we just saw this massive upshot as people move towards remote work. And now that's the, the established norm for organisations that have gotten through COVID. What are the sort of challenges that you're seeing now um, amongst the MSPs that you speak with? I have to say it's pr probably the same as a lot of other areas of, of the economy where that there's just a huge surge in demands and supply is just unable to keep pace, which in some ways is you know, creates some opportunities and but, but equally creates a good number of challenges as well. I think most MSPs you talk to, they'll be they'll be more concerned about resource than they will update new revenue from existing customers or or new customers. And and then 
pop on top of that things like the global chips shortage which again it is affected but you know as are lots of other industries car makers for example so yeah that i think is the is the the key challenge outside of all of the, the regular challenges of you don't know what you don't know and finding the time to to work on rather than in the business and all, all of those sorts of cliches but uh, yeah really it's it's resource and it's forcing lots of MSPs to to think think more and more creatively and uh, and I think is naturally having a an upward pressure on on the the prices the MSP needs and can and is brave enough to charge as well as the upward pressure on their costs through their their staff and uh, and think, things that they're things that they're buying and and that i think it's a good topic to touch on you know right throughout this past few years we've seen all of the major vendors put their prices up I mean, microsoft have got another price increase coming and are locking msps in through the new program that they've put out there at a higher tier and a higher price do MSPs need to put their prices up now? I think the reality is they absolutely do, but it's not really an issue of putting the pricing up today. If if anything, there's never been a better time to put pricing up because the mindset of the customer is that we're in inflationary times and they're, they're probably think, thinking about it them, themselves uh, onto their customers. Um, I think the challenge most MSPs have around this is that there is no precedent in a lot of cases where effectively they've been eroding their price, but it's been at such a low level of inflation, it's really not noticeable. When you start talking about getting towards double digits growth rates, it it is unavoidable to tackle. I think in some ways it's going to be even more painful to to have those conversations, create the policies they need, first of all, to establish what what are we going to put our pricing up by and what's our rationale going to be and will it be enough and when will we do it again to start to think those concepts through. But saying to, to someone in a conversation earlier, actually it's more about the execution of that policy have they got sufficient bandwidth to talk to the talk to their customers and deliver the message in a in a positive way and and that's probably probably their key pressure rather than deciding how much and for what justification they're gonna they're, they're gonna approach the topic and i think sometimes it's also understanding what your real costs are it's one thing to try to understand and peg inflation as a business, obviously, right around the world, every MSP is seeing, everybody is seeing inflation. You're down at the supermarket, things are costing more. As we said before, software vendors are charging more for the um, products that they provide to the MSP and the customer. But I think it's also about understanding what your real costs are. And obviously, what we're quite passionate about at Benchmark is understanding labor cost and helping MSPs reduce the cost of delivery and also to charge effectively for what they do. So is it a first step to go out and say, look, we've just got to put prices up or are there some key numbers that an MSP should be looking at before they make that decision? Yeah, good question. There there really should be some science behind uh, behind this as much as a sort of gut feel what you think you can get away with and then perhaps how you're going to how you're going to sugarcoat with the customer if if you need to. But yeah, I think certainly I would be advocating all, all of the, the sort of best practice t- techniques and measures that I'm sure we're absolutely aligned on, such as making sure that you're properly recording time and then building in some analysis of that so that you how much uh, time customer A and customer B are, are using and then, and then triangulating that against what your 
effective labour rate is, is probably the simplest way to, to work this through. And, and then almost to set your price from there. And equally, though, I would, I would probably say from a setting the the sell price perspective in terms of tri- triangulating, it is worth doing market research and that, that market research will probably result in quite a wide spread of pricing because your smaller, less mature MSP where they they haven't realised they need all of these other people and technologies to deliver a service. So they go out to market and they compete on price, but they haven't yet re- realized that they can't grow their business without a sufficient profit. And equally, there'll be MSPs at the top end of the price range where they have reconciled themselves to charge a premium rate, command a premium margin, and that that will limit their growth as a result but the size of business they've reconciled that they want they want a certain level of of profitability and so then you end up in the middle of the market and uh, so it's interesting to do some market research and then really dig in below underneath the selling price and work out how likely that MSP that MSP is to be making money and then make your decision about what sort of business you actually want. If you want to be middle of the road, really scaling up, then you set your price accordingly. And, and, and if, yeah, and if you want to be the other ends of the extreme, then you know what the consequences are, but, but yes, certainly a sanity check on consumed time in the past to set a precedent of what you think your overhead is going to be moving forwards and not just delivery time, but administration time, account management time, and, and management time as well. All, all of that really, you know, ha- has to, it has to be paid for. So right. it's got to be in the, uh, in the value chain, really. Right. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and just talking about that market research, depending on how formal you are with it, I mean, if you go onto a, a Reddit or a Tech Tribe or, you know, group, you'll get a fairly large contingent of MSP business owners saying time doesn't matter because we're an MSP, it's a product, it's a solution, and we've got a really dialed in stack and we don't look at labor cost. And, and as a result of that, when you ask about pricing, it's very hard to determine whether that MSP is actually making any money. So I think it's, it is important to look at what, what's out there so that when you're pitching business, that you can actually talk about the differential between the MSP that's charging 20 pounds a seat or 20 20 dollars a seat versus the one that's charging 300 or 400 which they do exist in the marketplace how does an msp get control of that component of their business how do they actually sit down and work out their labor cost and what they should charge per endpoint or per hour yeah you suggest that it's a uh... It's like a one-time thing. I know you don't mean that. Um, right. And I guess the, the, the answer to the question really is that actually this is a continuous thing or aspect of the business that needs to be baked into collecting the data and then making sure you're, you're allowing time to analyze it, but also understand what the data is then telling you. I, I'm a big advocate. I talk all the time about having uh, a de- very defined account management role that sits between technical delivery or stack solution. As you quite rightly said, there's a lot of automation that happens in MSP land, 
but it doesn't make it fully automatic. It, uh, the amount of time that's involved will, will probably flow through to the richness of the experience for the customer and, and especially so in the account management side. So if you if that account manager's responsibility is to monitor customer and contract level profitability on an ongoing basis then then that really is the the, the first foundation to, to to establishing good profitability because they can look at customer a that used 20 hours last month but then they can then they can then look back uh, over two months three months six months 12 months and and establish that actually Generally, they're using five hours. So right. what was, let's dig into why the 15 and the 15 was, it was a project that was built separately that got put against, fine, no problem. It's it's an issue. Or it could be, well, that new help desk guy, Daniel, needs a ton of training. It took 15 hours to do something. It should take 15 minutes. So fine, the customer shouldn't uh, be penalized for, for that. It's, it's, it's an internal training thing. Or actually, it's that their their old kit needs rebooting continually, and there's all sorts of dramas that come out of it. Ah, so, oh, right. So now the account manager has actually got some evidence to now go to the customer and say, look, th this is the reality of the, the situation. It's unsustainable for us to continue to support you. Plus, you've got tons of downtime. Plus, we're stressing that project that we talked about before. It's really time to now do that. And that's now move move the conversation to how do we make that happen for you and do we get creative is all of your sort of standard account management things yeah you know, can we break this down into phases can we look at financing how do we make it happen and make your business run smoother and control the cost for for everybody and and so that that sort of level of analysis detail liaison with the customer driving the outcomes it's it's got to be continuous and the busy MSP owner that isn't getting time for those proactive conversations is missing out on revenue, margin, profitability, and uh, and ultimately customer satisfaction. Because if mm. they don't have to ring the MSP, then the customer's pretty pretty happy, and and then you just have to be predicting the time when they ring and say, what what do we actually get for our money? Right. <laughs> um, and, the opposite yeah. side of it, isn't it? Is that yeah. you do a great job, and then the question comes in, what is it exactly that you do here? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's a different challenge to manage. And I, I like what yeah. you talked about in terms of engineering, how much time goes into the account. So we talk about the, the 20 hours versus the five hours. And we talk about inefficiency of a particular technician is a thing, but there's also customer inefficiency. And mm -hmm. you talk about account management. If you're, if for every ticket that you do, it requires a conversation or a call with the customer to understand what it is that you did or you're doing. If every proposal that you put out there sits on their desk and you have to follow up 15 times, these are all factors along with many others, the management, the service delivery overhead, the product stack that goes into the client that we find when speaking with large spectrum of MSPs around the world, the true total cost of delivery is not measured. It's usually looked at as I pay my guys this much per hour and therefore we, we're doing fine. But for whatever reason, that's not represented in the profit and loss as profitability, right? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, you're spot on. And, and I guess that's the, often you need to look at something from a couple of different viewpoints to really cut cut to the truth of a situation. Like I've just described like the account management sort of responsibility, but that doesn't necessarily, you can't just do that because if someone isn't then equally looking at the P&L and, and then actually actually interrogating it from what's now, what's happened in the past to say, if all the customers are 
profitable from our analysis here and we're still not making the money in the P&L, what's the next level of analysis? And and, and the, the P&L will d- d- directly then drive the all of the formal statutory measures of whether you've got a profitable business. And it's often an area that is that is under underappreciated and, and, not, and not really given the focus it needs. In, in both my sort of mentoring, coaching experience and, and now with MSP Finance team in particular, we're really trying to set a, a vision for MSPs to realise the importance of accurate, timely financial uh, record keeping and then and, and then analysis to, to really complete the picture. Uh, if you've already got the the TAM roll and you're already selling at a great price and everything else, then you look at that and then that will that will then continue to guide you. So yeah, when we talk about PL, it, it if an MSP isn't every month by say the middle of of this month in in possession of an absolute clear and clean view of the prior month with all prepayments and accruals, deferred income, invoice timing, all of those sorts of aspects treated, then that then they are they're at severe risk of not spotting a serious financial issue that either means they're reporting a loss when there isn't one or they're reporting a profit when there isn't one. And and so yeah, that's really the sort of vision that we're that that really I encourage all, all MSPs that I talk to to be working to get that sort of level of regimented routine and 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 then and then they know they've got another clear source of truth to tell them how, how well they're doing. It's all it all comes down to that rhythm, doesn't it? For example, invoices go out on the third of the month, profit and loss statement prepared by the 10th of the month, collections by the 15th, whatever it is for an MSP. But it's it's all about that consistency and rhythm which gives you the guidance to make better decisions in your business, I'd imagine. I, you've just triggered me to when I was a younger MSP business owner and there were two really key mistakes that, that we made in the early stages. And one is we didn't really have our cost of sales broken up in our financials. So there was just like a bucket of revenue coming in and a bucket of expenses going out. And they were labelled, but they weren't clearly categorised in the profit and loss. And that was one problem is just not really knowing which customers made money or which products were were profitable for us. It was just revenue, revenue and cost. But probably the more schizophrenic aspect of our business was that there would be lumps of income and outgoing. So, for example, we do a hardware project and so there'd be like lots of income in in the statement and the bottom line would look amazing. I'd be like, wow, we made, you know, all this money this month. And then I can remember many times, and I'm sure my accountant wanted to um, strangle me, then the next month I'd be crying and saying, how can we have made such a big loss and are we going to go out of business? And we're always panicked <laughs> about it. And, and it was really just that there was not that kind of consistency. And what's fascinating about it is we're so consistent technically. We were so good at what yeah. we did. We would never allow these dr- dramatic circumstances to occur on a customer IT system, we would have yeah. everything dialed in and, and managed correctly. But when it came to the financials, just could not get a fix on whether the business was doing well or doing poorly. Do you still see a lot of that out there, or was I just I was just not very good at what I did <laughs> back then? Uh, no, I, f- I think uh, unfortunately or fortunately, you're very you're very similar to to uh, to a lot of those those situations that, that I see and 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 people and people tell me about as well. Invoice timing has got to be one of the single biggest swing variances on trying to produce good quality management accounts, and it is as daft as well. We bought that 
we bought that PC last month, but we didn't invoice it until the following month. And, and therefore, if that PC was £500, it's £500 extra cost last month and 500 pounds extra margin this month but you need to dial that out so that you can actually establish the true underlying profit or not profit and and yeah as you say it it is it's not really compatible with this sort of engineering mindset that and and i think in a lot of ways it, it is because there's as msps would you know advocate educating their MSP clients about security, MSPs need educating about actually in a lot of ways how simple the financial management of the business can be, but there's a lot of fear and mistrust and and easily masked by being busy, not not to address it, but yeah, as as fundamental as as any other operational aspects of the business. And if you if you don't, if you don't have the time or the understanding for it, then then as we would advocate in MSP land, you should outsource it to someone that can do it and and do it well for you. So yeah, I think that yeah, invoice timing is one of my biggest bugbears. So I so see, yeah, but you're very much not alone. Good. It was a very stressful time. And I rem- I just remember, you know, and even even my poor wife I'd be, you know, I'd be telling her, wow, we've just had a really great month and we've won a great project. And then no less than a week later, I'd be saying it's doom and gloom and we might need to let the people go. And it, it really is important to just get clear on what your financial statements look like. And I agree with everything you said. I also say collection time is also mm-hmm. key because it's all well and good if it's sitting on a piece of paper, but it's no good um, if it's not in your bank account. And th- that was probably one of the biggest mistakes we made as well as we extended credit for virtually everything we we just thought that was the normal thing to do is to just send a bill and wait to get paid and then of course invariably you're dealing with a lot of customers that are quite savvy at extending the terms out and actually quite good at waiting until the final hour to then say actually i dispute this bill i don't, I don't like the work that's done and because it's labor it's not something that yeah. you can take back so yeah. How, yeah. how much of that do you see like it has that really changed over the years or is there still challenges for receivables and collecting money for the msps that you've worked with? I, I think it's i think it has got better one of the one of the things that i really wanted to have in place for my business was was the ability to collect via direct debit and I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world but in the UK it was quite complicated expensive that it wasn't really set up for SMEs to be able to to collect via direct debit and the the advent of I would say SME acceptable direct debit is has been a game changer and I'm sure other direct debit providers are available but go cardless in the UK is where that that's that's where most people go and and that's really helped but what you then find, you've now got the, the ability to collect money quickly. That now highlights the fact, and I think you mentioned it earlier, that the MSP isn't doing their billing on time. So they perhaps weren't weren't billing, then weren't collecting. Collect, collecting can now be brought tighter, but their billing process, well, and again, their billing process, there's there's lots of tools to help help MSPs add more automation to uh, to their billing process. And, and so it is getting better. But yes, fu- fundamentally, it starts at the the site, the selling point in terms of agreeing with the the customer, what the billing milestones are going to be, setting a reasonable expectation on delivery, and then and then as you say, not extending unnecessarily credit terms because yeah, in effect you are funding their business's cash flow. And uh, yeah, I think the other the other aspect that kind of feeds into that that I see as a sort of common issue is the confidence that having cash in the bank 
can give. Don't get me wrong, cash is king. Money's better in my account than my customer's account all, all day long. But as much as it gives confidence, it can give overconfidence if you're in a sales tax collection cycle and therefore your 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 cash is growing or you or a supplier, you've you've got credit terms with your distribution partner and you've bought a load of stuff and uh, suddenly there's a bill due and you haven't collected enough cash in having cash is it requires as much or in a different level of management as making sure the PL is clean, making sure that the PSA is reporting the right time usage, making that you're properly priced and all of these things need to need right. to fit together to, to make the uh, make the dream. <laughs> right. And, and I think cash flow is the operative word there because when we lack cash flow, we then make poor sales decisions typically. Yeah. So if we don't have cash and we're waiting to get paid and then an opportunity arises, we might be tempted to actually undercut on the opportunity just to just to get some cash in the bank. And that's, that's diminishing returns at that point, which leads to further problems. I know I'm, I know I'm speaking very broadly, but that's certainly what we experienced in the early days and what we see with a lot of MSPs. So tell us a little bit about who wants to engage you, Daniel. How do they do that? And what sort of process will you take them through? Well, on, on the on the MSP finance team side, we which really is a it's a recent it's a recent venture. We started last year and we've we've onboarded our what we call our beta customers we've developed our service so we're in the process we're, we're just starting to to go to market and turn turn a regular customer onboarding process on but our our process is very similar to what i would suggest an an msp do with their their clients and that's a a discovery process that effectively audits the financial maturity of the msp we actually have a simplified version on our website and um, when we go it through it for real there's 58 points to uh, to be a against, believe it or not. And uh, uh, that then results in a, a roadmap of, of what opportunities for improvement could and should be done, but also equally shows where they score well, because very often it's a mixed bag. It's very rare that everything's great or everything's bad. There's always something, but yeah. And then, and then beyond, uh, beyond the discovery uh, process, the services span anything from an individual, literally a few months old in, in business, and they just need a bit of help with doing their own bookkeeping, which we call the tutor service through to a fully managed, essentially accounts receivable, accounts payable, management accounts team function, working back from the sort of standards I talked about earlier. And then, and then insight analysis, and and finally our sort of ally service, which is FD mentoring. So, like every aspect and every stage of MSP is is catered catered for across uh, across the service. But just the same as a, as an MSP, we're delivering a service on a managed basis, on a recurring uh, income basis. And the the more you learn about bookkeeping and accountancy, the more you realize uh, just how similar it is. Right. <laughs> We're just dealing with um, currency instead of IP addresses, uh, you, could, <laughs> you could argue. <laughs> and all the emotion that comes with it, I'd imagine too, just like an MSP. Ab- ab- <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds like a, a great service, Daniel, and congratulations on your, on your new startup. You've already had a stellar career. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, if you've got LinkedIn, then I'm pretty, pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. The website is mspfinanceteam.com. And yeah, yeah, always interested to 
talk to and expand my my MSP network. Mate, there was some great stuff in there and I want to thank you for being on the show. I hope that we get the opportunity to get together again soon. And thank you everyone for joining us on the show today. If you'd like to get in contact with Benchmark, if you've got a podcast idea, please send through an email to hello at benchmark365.com. Or if you're looking to talk to anyone from the Benchmark team, by all means, reach out via our website and we'll get back to you promptly. Thanks everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to get your own copy of Infinite Scale, just go to benchmark365.com. And if you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions for future podcast episodes, just drop us a line at hello at benchmark365.com. Thanks for listening.